folks, Todd Dills here today, and we've got a short special edition of Overdrive Radio that's part of our 60th anniversary series, this fine year of 2021, marking uh, six decades since Overdrive's founding in the early 60s. Today, we're going to transport you back to a moment in time in the late 1970s when Gordon Alkire found himself in an old Astro Cab over with no brakes, heading southeast down the backside of Mont Eagle Mountain in Tennessee. It's a situation that is not exactly universal among truckers through the years, of course, but not as uncommon as you might think. And the occasion in 2019 when this part of my talk with Al-Qaeda originally ran was the fiery Lakewood, Colorado crash of Rogel Lazaro Aguilera Maderos, who lost control of his truck on a downhill grade and ultimately crashed, killing multiple people and sending multiple others to the hospital. In the wake of the tragedy for all involved, including the driver, charged with vehicular homicide among other counts, the recriminations were quick in coming from, for him from fellow truckers, with no small amount of finger pointing to this or that cause. Al Kire, retired owner operator of Riley, Kansas, reached out with a considered piece about, about that finger pointing, and you can read it in full via the Channel 19 blog post that houses this podcast. Look for the June 14 edition at overdriveonline.com slash channel 19. asked his fellow drivers to check their condemnation and take a close look at themselves. Quote, ask yourself if that could have been you, he wrote. A downgrade, a loaded trailer, no brakes. Confusion, fear, panic. He's been there. And he tells that story here. I worked for a company out of Glasgow, Kentucky. And uh, it was a fairly regular run for, for me to go down Mont Eagle on the old road, then through Chattanooga down into Georgia, and then we come back the same way. And uh, Remind me what you were driving that uh, that day in, in Mont Eagle. What was that truck like? Oh, it was a, excuse me, a GMC Astro 95. I can tell you the color. It was blue, <laughs> but I don't rem- I don't remember the engine. It was more than likely a Cummins, ten uh, speed. It was a ten speed. Uh, it was uh, the norm then. You know, it would be a piece of junk today by comparison to the new equipment. But it was the norm. It was well maintained. No engine was, brakes was, on that one, eh? No, no. That was when engine brakes were. Not on. They weren't the norm anymore, you know. Yet, uh, and a lot of companies couldn't afford to put them on their trucks, especially in retrofit. That's just one of those things. Uh, it was back in that day, Todd. Trucking was hard work. Some of the trucks you got in didn't have power steering. I had a Peterbilt, a '68 Peterbilt, that we put air assist on, but. Uh, it was just manual labor. You worked hard. You just worked hard in it. Uh, I just, uh, I wouldn't trade it. I wouldn't trade what I have done over the years for anything. I just wouldn't do it. This day, I'm, I've got a loaded trailer. Now that's back when it's seventy-three, two eighty. <laughs> no, eighty thousand back then. Uh, I get started out of that 76 that was at the top of the top of the, the the mountain. I don't know if it's still there or not, to be honest with you. But anyway, I get going, and I just hadn't got very far. And I think I'm in second or third gear of a 10-speed. 
all of a sudden I hit vibration in the truck and a thumping, a really terrible thumping, like, you know, somebody's sledgehammering my truck. And then it got super quiet. And I had no brakes because the whole time, I, you know, oh, what happened here? And fear. I don't, I don't like that kind of fear, <laughs> you know. What happened? So I realized I had no brakes, so I grabbed the, the mic on the CB. Thank God everybody had one. And uh, told them that I'm, I'm in a southbound runaway truck, you know, and I got no brakes. And it isn't that I burned them up. I just, they just, no no brakes. And yeah, I what had, happened uh, there? You you figured it out later, right? Yes, yes, I did. Uh, I clipped a Snuffy Smith. Now, if you've been out here a long time, you'll know who Snuffy Smith was. Uh, anyway, we get down there, and I I clipped the Snuffy Smith, but not real bad, you know, just wake him up, so to speak. He got on the radio and started hollering, yes, he is a runaway truck. He just clipped me, you know, stuff, stuff, stuff. Anyway, I get down to where, oh, God, I, I know this runoff ramp is coming. Oh, God bless it. I get around that last curve before we hit that short straightaway for that runoff ramp. There's some RVs in there camping. They're having a picnic and I got their grill going. I had to make a decision. I couldn't go in there and kill those people because it surely would have taken them out. I went on by. And I finally, I made it. I pulled off. Well, I, you could almost see Chattanooga when I quit rolling. But I, I pulled it over to the side, and this trooper came up, and I had just coasted to a stop. Setting the brakes didn't help. And I real he he just, he starts yelling at me, why in the hell didn't you hit that runoff ramp? And I, I'm still holding that steering wheel. And I said, because there were campers in there. He got this look on his face, went to his car, made a phone call, or not a, a radio call. Another trooper checked it out. Yep, they were there. Well, that's why I didn't go. His attitude changed. Well, as it turned out, the reason my brakes failed was the drive shaft broke at the back of the transmission. And it just spun around, tearing out everything, airlines, electrical lines, and then it broke off, went off on the side of the road or down the mountain or somewhere. So, but I had, when I went to get out of that, that truck, Todd, I couldn't let go of the steering wheel. And that steering wheel was almost in a U shape. I had put so much pressure with my legs on the brake and pulling up on that steering wheel to keep pressure on it that I actually bent that steering wheel. I'm not a big guy, and I was smaller then than I am now. I couldn't get my hands off the steering wheel. They had to pry them off. And that was okay. I mean, I'm starting to breathe normal now. And then I noticed this terrible stink and odor. Sometime in that ride, I had peed my pants. have no idea how or when, but I'm going to tell you something. Scare urine stinks. Uh, really. And people have told me that, well, that was your body just, you know, reacting. I was embarrassed. Yeah. But it's just one of those things that you remember. And I, I can't remember the date and the exact thing. I can't even tell you the truck number. But that experience, that when you are 100% helpless in a dangerous situation and you just pray to God you're going to make it, uh, 
he must have listened to me. But I attribute most of that to the drivers that had the CB radio that we worked together. You know, I told I, I told him I said, take the outside curves. I'm going to take the inside curve. Okay, and they did. When I would come up on them on a curve to the right, they were on the outside. I would shoot through between the the mountainside and them, and that's one of the things that I survived because we worked together. So I can't say it was all me. You know what I mean? It was just we worked together back then. Pretty miraculous you got all the way down there. You know, so. Yeah, I, to this day, I don't know how I did it. You know, I I just did it. I, I can remember certain things, but uh, the whole, I just, I don't want to take that ride again. <laughs> you know what I mean? I just don't. But it's it's uh, an experience that you don't want to repeat. It's not like catching that biggest fish you ever caught before, you know, or right. doing that skydiving. It's you just you just don't want to redo it. But I have uh, I listen to these people that are complaining about this little Cuban boy Madero. Uh, they they have all the answers, right? They've never gone through this. They don't have an answer. One, they're assuming everything. <laughs> you know, shoulda, coulda, woulda. But I just thought I would share that with you because been there, done that. Right. And it, it's just part of my history. And I, I still, I took a while to get back in the truck. They they took a week or two to repair it. And I came to work, went back to work to uh, get back in the truck. And I tell you what, for two weeks, I found nothing but problems that I didn't like. They weren't problems. I just I needed an excuse not to get back in that truck. And they put new tires on it. They put new brakes on it. They showed me the new wiring. They, you know, they they fixed things that I wanted fixed and showed me what they'd already fixed. And uh, finally, one day, I said, I got to do it. So I got back on that horse. And (laughs) I now have over 50 years of riding that horse. I've got, you know, because I overcame this fear. And I just keep that in the back of my mind when I'm in mountain range. And a lot of times, uh, you know, if if us old timers, and yeah, I'm an old timer, if we don't teach or mentor some of these new ones, stuff like this is going to be more frequent. And we you have we have to explain to them. Drivers today don't do well at mentoring. They don't do well at communicating. They would rather take a video of this guy having trouble than get out and help him. And uh, I don't like doing that. I will offer my help. They can use it. They can say sure or no thank you. But I make that offer. And there's not enough of that going on today. Not long after originally airing Alkire's tale in the spring of 2019, we heard from South Carolina-based owner-operator Lee Epling about his own, more recent No Breaks run, which I recounted in the podcast the following week. Down Sand Mountain in West Virginia, it was. Epling was quick to point out that the most common violations found in a truck don't mean, quote, that the trucking company was lax on equipment maintenance. Here's the rest of Epling's story. Think violations like a slack adjuster malfunctioning, the catch-all brakes out of adjustment, chafing airlines, and the like. Some of what Epling calls, quote, the easiest write-ups the DOT can do. Marry that uh, to an immigrant driver 
who may be new and have a hard time talking to an officer, you're going to get a violation for something, end quote. Owner-operator Epling went on to tell his own runaway story on a long downhill grade, which I'll read here. I had just purchased the 1999 International 9400 I'm still driving, still getting used to it and unfamiliar with the truck, relatively speaking. I had spent that whole week dealing with my Jake being intermittent. Either a switch or solenoid was grounding out. I have driven without Jake's for years. The first truck I had was a Volvo with an exhaust brake that just didn't do much of a job working wide open. I was headed east down I-64 coming into Virginia from West Virginia. The last stretch is good old Sandstone Mountain. I've been up and down that thing a thousand times. I stopped at the mandatory brake check, kicked the tires, checked and adjusted the brakes, and I hit the highway. Traveling with my four ways on, and fourth, I started down the mountain. No jakes on, was just going to go down nice and easy. All of a sudden, one of my trailer tires burst, just came apart. I went to hit the shoulder. As soon as I applied pressure to the pedal, she went straight to the floor. The truck started picking up speed pretty quickly, so here I am, past the first runaway and coming up to a decision. This is where your training comes into play. I had spent a long time talking with older hands about these situations. Many a meal I have purchased in my early 20s to get good sound advice from truckers who had it to offer. I'd say I'm running about 70 with 48,000 pounds of steel beams on the trailer. Owner-operator Epling broke down four courses of action he had to choose from. One, do you hit the ramp, pay the repair cost to the ramp, get the ticket and possibly lose the load, and have one heck of an insurance claim? The very worst possible outcome, quote, will the sudden stop have that steel come through the back of the truck, end quote. Number two, Ride out the mountain and try to take the sharp left at 80 to 85 miles per hour at the bottom of sandstone. Number three, quote, put her in the median and hope I and my sidekick, Sam the Poodle with a mohawk, survive the crash. Number four, grab the dog, point her toward the median and jump and let her go, end quote. Owner operator Epling put the truck in the runaway ramp, quote, what they don't tell you in driving school, what no one had ever told me about a runaway. If you're driving that heavy, going that fast, you're going all the way to the front of the ramp. We finally stopped inches from the water totes at the end of the ramp, truck upright, and the load still safe. I was shaking so violently from the adrenaline coursing through my veins that I couldn't get out of that truck fast enough. Brakes were smoking so bad I thought the truck was going to catch fire. My dog was about as scared as I was. We went for a walk for quite a while. Here's the funny thing. No one showed up. No state troopers, no fire trucks, no ambulance, and no tow truck. I bet I was at the top of that ramp a good hour. After I calmed down and the brakes cooled, I started digging into the cause. That way, maybe I could dig out the tires and the axles and back out of there. The trailer tandems were on the asphalt used by the tow trucks to pull you out. Only the truck was in the soft sand. The trailer I was pulling had one of the first auto tire inflation systems that they came out with. It worked great by keeping the proper air in the tires, but that's what caused my brakes to fail. There's a one-way valve in the system that when functioning properly keeps the air in the system if you lose a tire or have a quick loss leak. That safety valve failed. I was able to bypass the valve and use the little redneck engineering to pinch off the leaking airline. 
I used my dunnage and my wrench bar to dig out the tires. Slowly now, backing down the runaway, I got out of the ramp and onto the shoulder just past it. As I was fixing my coloring book, as if I wrote it in a script, a state trooper stops in front of my truck and gets out, walks up to the window, and tells me, If you're taking your 30-minute break, try to move it a little more forward. That runaway ramp is there for a purpose. Where you're parked, that's not a good idea, young man. He walked back and left. Yes, sir, he was right. It saved my life. Epling ended his note on this, though. Uh, the thought that he doesn't prejudge drivers in such situations before the facts are out, though he can place blame on regulators in the industry as a whole for failure to properly train and certify. As he says, quote, pilots have our requirements while being trained on equipment. I, for one, agree. We should as well. A few things to think about there. A big thanks here back to both Al Kyer and Epling for their stories. Find the original Overdrive Radio editions via the post that houses this podcast for June 14th at overdriveonline.com slash overdrive hyphen radio. You can catch all of our installments in Overdrive's 60th anniversary series of lookbacks at archival coverage and more on trucking history via overdriveonline.com slash trucking hyphen history. Overdrive Radio is a production of Overdrive, the voice of the American trucker. It's edited and produced by myself, Todd Dills, with no small amount of support from Overdrive Extra contributor Paul Marhofer, news editor Matt Cole, social media coordinator Holly Young, and Overdrive's editor Max Heine. Till next time, turn that CB on and keep it pro out there.